Welcome to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson, and I'm joined by MNN's Bill Werner, Tasha Radel, and Mike Grimm. We're going to delve into what's going on in the North Star State. If it matters in Minnesota, we've got it covered. This week, sex trafficking is back in the news locally after a recent big arrest. The U of M offers a new scholarship to attract students from greater Minnesota, and we preview the upcoming twin season. But first... Significant developments this week in the race for governor in 2018 as 1st District Congressman Democrat Tim Walls officially announced he's a candidate. MNN's Bill Werner joins us. Bill, the field in this race is far from fully formed. Absolutely right, Scott. Republicans who control the legislature and are in the middle of a contentious session are holding back, but Democrats are jumping in because Governor Mark Dayton is not running for re-election. Carleton College professor Stephen Shear rates Congressman Walls as a major contender because he's the only greater Minnesota candidate in the race so far and has high visibility there. But what about the Twin Cities, specifically the suburbs? I think the big challenge for Waltz is to make himself better known in uh, the Twin Cities suburbs and also in uh, Minneapolis and St. Paul proper. Uh, and also, one has to keep in mind that the Twin Cities Democratic activists are among the most liberal in the country, and many of them are Sanders supporters. And will they find Tim Waltz sufficiently uh, liberal for their tastes? How would you rank the likelihood for each of the candidates? There's four in the field right now. We've got the state auditor, Rebecca Otto, Aaron Murphy, state representative from St. Paul, and, of course, St. Paul Mayor Chris Coleman in the race so far. Um, where would you put Walls in the rank order of uh, uh, possibilities uh, against, when, you, when they're against those three? Well, if you're rank ordering the candidates, I, at the, the current field, I would say Walls is at the top of that list. And the reason is that the other three candidates are all from the Twin Cities metro and will carve up that support. Tim Waltz, being the only greater Minnesota candidate, I think has an advantage over the other three. And we have no Republicans, or at least no Republicans of prominence in the race so far, uh, although certainly names have been tossed out. Uh, among them, uh, House Speaker Kurt Dowd, although he is poo-pooing any talk about it now and says I'm, that he's working on legislative matters and, you know, we'll deal with this later or whatever. But uh, wh- when do you think we're going to start seeing some Republicans jumping in? Got any thought on that? I think uh, the Republican field will start to take shape after the legislative session is over, and that may be a while. We may end up in special session well into the summer. Uh the reason I say that is because I think a number of uh, state legislators are considering running for governor uh, on the GOP side, but they are going to wait until they finish their legislative business and then assess their prospects. Let me ask you this finally, Professor, uh, because Democrats are not known at this point for having a real uh, deep bench of candidates. That's one of their problems. Um, is Tim Walls, uh, say, strong, a strong enough candidate to win over if Kurt Dowd is Republican's candidate for governor? That's a really good question. Um, uh, if you have a Walls versus Dowd race, you have two greater Minnesota candidates. Uh, what Walls has to do to win that race is get a bigger, sh- far bigger share of greater Minnesota votes than, say, Hillary Clinton did in the presidential race and then hold uh, the support in the Twin Cities. I think that is a doable formula for Waltz, uh, but we'll have to see as events shake out. 
That's Carleton College political science professor Stephen Shear. Now let's switch gears to national politics. Wednesday was Muslim Day at the Capitol, and hundreds gathered in the rotunda to hear the welcoming speech from Governor Mark Dayton, which framed issues on many Minnesotans' minds. Here are excerpts. Thank you very much. You know, we're living in an extremely difficult time in America, a time when extremists feel safe to create extreme situations that endanger others. When civil discourse is discarded for uncivil polemics, or worse, and when modern mass media transmits every mad deed immediately to the rest of the world. I'll leave it to somebody wiser than I to explain why the world's religions are so often abused by those who want to use them to attack, even destroy others. As someone said, there's enough religion in the world to get everyone to hate one another. There's not enough to get everyone to love one another. This country's founders were aware of this ugly reality. Some of them had come to America while fleeing religious persecution in their former lands. They saw the dangers of allowing sacred words of human understanding and mutual compassion to be twisted and distorted to oppress others. So they made the First Amendment to the United States Constitution one of the cornerstones of this new democracy. It begins, quote, Congress will make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. It's commonly called the right to freedom of religion. But that doesn't mean freedom from religion. It means freedom for religion. And the freedom of each person to practice the religion of his or her choice or to practice no religion at all. This right of freedom to religion is so central and so essential to our individual and collective liberties that there should be a public outcry every time it is violated, followed by universal condemn condemnation of its violators. It's alarming that doesn't happen today. We are better than this. Those who practice hatred stemming from religious or racial or any other form of bigotry are not welcome here. They are the ones who should leave. Governor Mark Dayton this week during Muslim Day at the Minnesota State Capitol. Scott? Thank you, Bill. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Son, uh, can you hand me that big screwdriver? This one, Dad? Uh, no, that's a wrench. Uh, I need the long one close to your foot. Why? Uh, because I need to loosen a screw. Why? Because I have to change the oil filter. Why? Because I love you! <laughs> the smallest moments can have the biggest impact on a child's life. Alright. Now pass me the new filter. Why? Ha <laughs> <laughs> very funny. <laughs> Take time to be a dad today. For more information, dial 1-877-432-3411 or visit us at www.fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council.
Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. I'm Scott Peterson. The Washington and Ramsey County attorneys this week announced multiple sex trafficking charges against four suspects in Minnesota and California. Sex trafficking continues to be a big problem in Minnesota and throughout the country. I spoke with Washington County Attorney Pete Orpit about that and about this most recent case. It involved motels, uh, real estate, um, it's, wow, it was just uh, pervasive throughout the East Metro area. And uh, so we arrested three in California, executed search warrants, have one arrested here in Minnesota. We've got a lot of work to do, but um, yeah, this was a real good start. And we were hoping that with the publicity, perhaps other victims might come forward if they've been involved in this. And certainly we want those who think it's a good idea to buy a human being to realize that the risk level's gone way, way up. And Pete, in terms of victims here, do we know how many have been impacted by this particular ring that's tied to these arrests? We don't, Scott. We're going over significant financial data that we've seized, including ledgers and, and those kinds of things. We imagine there are a number of victims out here who essentially are forced into doing this, working 12 to 14 hours a day, having to make a minimum of $800 a day. And uh, that meant that uh, the people in California had to keep those women very busy. The sad part of this is we do know from some of the evidence collected that a lot of these victims had been robbed, beaten, raped while they're involved in this. And uh, we'd like to pursue some of those as well if we can. I saw something on Twitter as the the news conference was happening, and I I believe that it was attributed to you in terms of uh, this operation, kind of an Uber operation. Tell me a a little bit. Smart aleck comment, but (laughs) yeah, but if you you read the whole thing, Scott, you go, well, this is just kind of like Uber. I need a woman. I get out my phone. I call, and they go, well, where are you? Because we've got several locations. One conveniently located near you. It's that simple. Oh, well, I'd like, uh, I'll be in Maplewood. Great, we'll have somebody there. You know, it's it's like ordering a car, you know. In terms of the the victims that are involved here, I know that we have uh, safe harbor laws specifically here in Minnesota that are are geared towards protecting those victims. Uh, How might that come into play as this process plays out? Well, Scott, that's a great question. In this case, like every case I've been involved in, there are numerous barriers for these victims. And, and here, what we uncovered is, all, so far, every victim we've found is either a Chinese national or a Korean national or some other Asian nationality and speaks little or no English, probably none, and, which, and then when they get moved around, it's that profound insecurity that keeps them trapped. Because, you know, if they can't establish relationships, don't have a home, don't have any of that, rarely are they willing to come forward and say, I surrender. That They're terrified usually. We think that by having this announcement, perhaps it'll trickle down to some of these victims and they'll know that they can call us. But right now, the victims we've uncovered, we've offered services, and uh, they've refused. But that's not untypical, if you will. And uh, as I understand it, uh, Backpage.com is, is somehow tied into this particular case. Is that right? Eighteen thousand ads placed in the last year. It was my understanding. East Metro Twin Cities, 
but they place ads. We've uncovered evidence. They're placing these same ads in 29 cities in the United States. And it was my understanding, if I recall correctly, they were uh, going to, to end the practice of, of, of having advertising like this on Backpage.com. Yeah, do you remember that one? <laughs> I do. So, so what's going on there? Well, here's what they did. Uh, and if you go on the Backpage and, ask for, and go to the Escort section, it'll say Censored. Okay? So the Escort section got shut down. But what about the Adult Friend Finder sections? What do you mean? Well, like women seeking men. The day before the announcement that Backpage was shutting it down, there were about three ads for women seeking men. The day after, there's 371. Oh, I see. They just moved into a different column. Right. So as a prosecutor, what, uh, what do you do moving forward with, with what you have in this particular case? I know that there's a real strong concerted effort throughout the state to, to put uh, an end or combat sex trafficking as much as possible. What are your next steps from here? Well, the next step is uh, the Ramsey County Attorney's Office and the Washington County Attorney's Office are in the midst of preparing this thing making sure the investigation's as complete as we can get it, and then we're going to do a firm but fair prosecution of everybody involved. Is there anything else you want to add or anything I'm missing here? One thing I wanted to say to you, Scott, and, and it's something that I look to John Choi's leadership for, and you missed this in the press conference, but I think it's one of the most important things that was said, is this really does, and this is John Choi, this leads us to ask questions about how we're raising boys to be men. It just does. Because the demand is so high, it's got to tell us what's going on. And I think John is really trying to get us all to focus on how has this occurred. If the demand weren't there, we wouldn't have prostitution. But the demand is so great that it, it'll take the breath away from you. And I think John's focus on how did we get here and what are we doing about that is really where the root of the problem lies, in my view. Thanks again to my guest, Washington County Attorney Pete Orpet. Minnesota Matters will return after this. As a young teenage boy, I didn't even know what autism was. How do you even spell that? A few years later, I heard that a friend's cousin's son had been diagnosed with autism. I still wasn't sure what that really meant. When I went to college, my roommate's brother had autism. When I moved to the city for work, my best friend called me and told me his son had been diagnosed with autism. We were both in shock. I still remember the day I walked into the house and saw that look on my wife's face. I knew something was wrong. I'll never forget how I felt when she said, our son has autism. Autism is getting closer to home. Today, one in 110 children is diagnosed with autism. That's a 600% increase in the last 20 years. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org. Early diagnosis can make a lifetime of difference. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Last night, we put on an epic light show. Yeah, we did. The crowd loved us. We love the crowd. Wait, but there were only four people out there. Yeah, but did you see their four faces? All eight of their eyes lit up brighter than ours. <sighs> and we're fireflies. Yeah, we are. 
Hey, that one girl, she looked like she'd never seen glow in the dark like this before, and we invented glow in the dark. Yeah, we invented it. And we're gonna be out here every night rocking out our light show at a forest near you. So come check us out. Check us out. And bring your kid all ages show. Oh, but uh, don't bring any of those glass jars because they make us kind of nervous. Yeah, and I'm super claustrophobic. Whether you're rocking their world or they're rocking yours, some memories never fade. Come alive with the forest. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a forest near you and discover other cool things to do when you go, like fishing, biking, or even camping. Visit discovertheforest.org. See you later. Yeah, see you soon. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The University of Minnesota is offering a new scholarship to attract and retain more students from greater Minnesota. MNN's Tasha Radel has more. That's right, Scott. It's the land-grant scholarship, and here to explain the new initiative is Brian Bohr, Dean of the U of M's College of Food, Agricultural, and Natural Resources Sciences. Dean, let's dive right in. Can you give us some background on the new scholarship? Yeah, well, it actually, that name is specifically... Um, meaningful because it comes from we are a land-grant university and that was actually started with the Morrill Act of 1862 for history buffs I guess Um, and what that did was it charged uh, all states to have a university that would provide and promote education to the broader public Um, with the idea being you know and some of it was targeted on they use words like mechanical arts and agriculture and, and so on but it was really to just in general allow that public education. And so we view that as something that you know, we've been committed to for you know, more, well more than 100 years. Um, and so we thought it was time again to remind, as a reminder, that we are dedicated to um, providing education across and accessibility across all people in, in the state as part of our core mission. So that really harkens back to you know, one of our foundational principles and, and missions. Um, and again, kind of with that legacy, of course, people uh, particularly were piling it in the College of, of Agriculture, Food, Agriculture, Natural Resource Sciences. And there's sort of that meaning there of it, that harkens back a bit to even the founding university was related to that. And so then it resonates with uh, greater Minnesota, of course. And so we're, we're doing this partly as a broader university uh, goal, but as we're piloting, we're really looking at you know, our natural resources are in northern Minnesota, timber forestry, um, you know, fisheries, wildlife conservation, and agriculture, and those areas. So it really lends itself to that target. And let's talk a little bit uh, more about the scholarship. Uh, when will this be implemented? And are, do we have any dollar figures attached to it at this point? Yeah, we're actually implementing it immediately. In fact, we're going to be trying to apply it to this year's incoming class. Um, that's going to be a little bit difficult because of you know we're, we're we're at the stage now where we're nearly completing and rounding out that class. But um, to the extent that we have students that qualify um, under under our sort of uh, criteria for this, we would look to that. Um, so it'll be happening very quickly. And of course, next year we'll have a, a you know more of a recruiting aspect to it, um, which is largely done for this year's class. Um, we do see uh, funding wise. Uh, Per student, what it would about to is about five thousand. It'll be five thousand dollars every year for four years uh, for the students that are a land grant legacy scholar, and so that's about um, you know the math on that is about uh, five hundred thousand dollars total when we get it uh, ramped up to its full um, full use. 
And, you know, we, we're focusing on, you know, uh, students uh, in greater Minnesota. And do you feel perhaps that uh, some, you know, due to financial barriers that some of these students in these areas are, I guess, leaving the state where it, perhaps it might be a little bit cheaper? Is that kind of one of the reasons behind it, too? Yeah, we're looking, yeah, certainly in general, you know, we read a lot about um, accessibility from a financial perspective and the student debt that students have and some of those concerns. And so it's certainly directly targeted at those financial needs, uh, and that's, that is part of our criteria as we look at identifying students. And one of the things for us, too, is, of course, we have um, you know, several schools in North Dakota State, South Dakota State, Iowa State, University of Wisconsin, particularly River Falls, for example, in proximity. And you know, it's a competitive market, and, of course, some of our students choose to go to those schools. Um, so we are trying, you know, part of this is recruiting and recognizing um, you know, that we do have a special uh, role in, in, in our college that resonates deeply of, you know, engaging and, and promoting education for Minnesota students here. And, we, you know, we think in general, you know, you, we think about how we're developing and growing the economy and that next generation of talent in Minnesota. And we know that students who, you know, are educated in Minnesota have a propensity to stay in Minnesota. And we'd like to, you know, you know, continue our, our historical role in being the key place that they, they'd consider coming to. But that's just my, you know, I'm a gopher at heart, so we want them to come here. <laughs> and, you know, and not to put you on the spot, and, and I'm not sure if you can answer this, but who would be an ideal candidate for um, this scholarship? Yeah, I think it's, you know, a student who's really looking at, um, you know, they have a financial need, of course. They're interested right now in... Um, you know, the Food, Agriculture, and Natural Resource Sciences side of that. And really, you know, that's a that's a broad scope. You know, some of our, you know, the university now has this grand challenges strategy, which is around, you know, the big issues of how do we improve water quality, how do we improve our natural resource and environmental aspects. So really a student with that interest area for now, as we expand out across the university, of course, we'll broaden that out. Um, I think a student who really is um, ambitious about uh, their scholarship and success in academics, one of the aspects of Minnesota that's, you know, compared to regional schools as we are, uh, typically a top 20 um, land-grant university. Um, and so that opportunity to have that experience of, you know, high academic standards connecting in with an, a, a high-quality research institution. So we're working with many of the agribusinesses, the government agencies, um, the community leaders that are really moving forward on these issues. So we are looking for those ambitious, um, talented uh, students who may need some financial support um, and they want to have an experience we think that's uh, pretty unrivaled. Thanks again to my guest, Brian Bohr, Dean of the U of M's College of Food, Agricultural, and Natural Resources Sciences. Back to you, Scott. Thank you, Tasha. Minnesota Matters will return after this. Who might you save? Your mother, your father, your husband, uncle, aunt, son. Learn fast. F-A-S-T. The sudden signs of a stroke and you could save. Your friend, your best friend, teacher, boss, coach. F. Face drooping. A. Arm weakness. S. Speech difficulty. T. Time to call 911. F-A-S-T. Face arm speech time. That's F. Face drooping. A. Arm weakness. S. Speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. The sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in the recovery of your neighbor, the waiter, a fellow shopper, a total stranger, grandmother, grandfather. 
So learn FAST, the sudden signs of a stroke, then pass it on, because you never know who might save you. Your wife, your colleague, teammate, mother. Spot a stroke fast. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. We're gonna win twins. We're gonna score. We're gonna win twins. Watch that baseball sword. Welcome back to Minnesota Matters. The Twins open their 2017 season on Monday at Target Field. MNN Sports Director Mike Grimm has a preview. I sat down this week with the man who you'll hear all summer long hosting the pregame and postgame shows on the Twins radio network. Chris Atterbury says the new front office has him excited about the long-term prospects of this club. I think there's some energy. I think uh, change is always hard, and I think... uh, I go back to Terry Ryan, who's a guy certainly I really respect. I think everybody does. His decision last year to be like, hey, rip the Band-Aid off and walk away early, I think that almost helps. And uh, with Derek and Thad now in charge, I think that's kind of reinvigorated things. Instead of coming in and knocking the whole house down and just starting over completely from scratch, these are guys who really think about things. They think complexly about complex issues. So they've come in and they've, said, okay, we're not going to do anything rash or knee-jerk. We're building this for the long haul. Personally, I can only speak to how I feel, and I'm very energized uh, by, by what's going on. And obviously, if you're a fan, it's all going to come down to wins and losses. Um, but I think things are heading the right direction, and uh, hopefully we're poised to see some of the steps that we've been anticipating taken by some of the young talent that is in the organization because there is plenty of that in the position player side. You got to spend some time this week with Derek Falvey. What's what's I'm sure he's excited. His emotions going in as a first-time president of baseball operations side of things. Uh, what 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 uh, what's your sense on him? It's funny because I was talking to him about uh, you know he's helped shape rosters for a decade, but he's never been the final guy. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm not sleeping as well as I used to. He goes, I always tried to put myself in that position, whether it was Chris Antonetti or Mark Shapiro, whoever I was giving the advice to, as if I was the final guy. But now that I am, it, it does, it hangs with you because you're, you're ending people's careers, something they've done since they were six years old, and you're making big decisions. But he's equipped to handle it, and the team around him is equipped to handle it. The biggest takeaway I get from him is that decisions are made based on we want to win tonight. We want to win tomorrow night. And each day, that's Paul's job, and that's the team and organization's focus. But it's to build sustainability for long-term success. I think you see maybe some of that in a guy like Justin Haley, the Rule 5 guy. Um, are, are you equipped with your bullpen? Uh, you know, this isn't the Nasty Boys. This isn't the Royals a couple of years ago. To, to have a guy who may or may not quite be ready – Probably not, but if you're building for the long term, then maybe, yeah, you are. And uh, the other thing I took away from Derek's conversation was uh, he's very excited about Paul's participation in this and where Molly is in terms of his buy-in and understanding. We all know how smart Paul is, and I think Derek and Thad are getting to see that on a daily basis. And I think the combination of the three of them, throw in Rob Anthony, Jack Goyne and whatnot, I, I think is a very good combination. Joe Maurer is still the hometown guy. You see number seven jerseys everywhere. But I think you could argue Brian Dozier might be the most popular player on the team when you look at it and what he did last year. And there was discussion that maybe he's 
not going to be on this team at the start of this year. Here we are, opening day coming shortly. He's on the roster. Um, what, what's your assessment there, and how long will he continue to be on this roster? Well, I think that's going to be a question if he plays well, which I think we all expect him to do. I think that's going to be a question all year. I think during July, building up to the trade deadline, people will ask because obviously when you're looking to to add talent, in particular pitching talent, that's what we're talking about. Let's just make no bones about it. When you're looking to add pitching talent, it's you can't buy it. You're not going to make a Chris Sale-like trade with a guy. He's your best chip. Brian Dozier's turned himself into just a really, really valuable baseball player. And he's somebody people will give you young talent for. They didn't give enough in the offseason, so he's here. That's great for us. But if at you know July 30th, he's doing Brian Dozier things and other teams are in the hunt and he could tip them over the top and there's a haul to be had, he may not be a twin anymore. I, I think Brian gets it. That's the most important thing. His teammates get it. Uh, when you lose 103 games, you, you understand kind of where your, your franchise is. For fans, though, I think it's great to be able to see Brian do, do things that nobody except for a guy named Killebrew has ever done in a twins uniform. That's pretty heady company. You know, he's, he's led the team quietly. He's led the team in home runs in four straight years. Killebrew is the only guy who's ever done that. You know, all the home runs he had last year, in addition to the sparkling defense he plays at second base, he's a really good player. I think the nine guys you're going to see in the position player lineup on a daily basis, those are fun guys to watch. Those are worth the price of admission, what could they potentially do today sort of guys. Very good. You get to go to the ballpark every day this summer. What a job, huh? It's not a bad deal. Isn't it weird? <laughs> they pay us. They pay us to go to the ballpark. And uh, it's funny. People always ask, you know, what's your favorite part of the job? You know, what, what's – and, and I will say this. The favorite part is, is actually before the game – I love, and I know you probably feel this way about basketball arenas, right? I used to love shoot-arounds mm -hmm. when I was doing, you know, the empty gym. Yeah. Where these historic buildings that you get to be in to do your work are so cool. Those are the moments, those, those kind of quiet moments, and I am looking forward to a whole summer of those. Enjoy it. We will. Thank you. That's Chris Atterbury from the Twins Radio Network on Minnesota Matters. Scott? Thank you for that, Mike. That's going to do it for this week. Thank you for listening, and please tune in again next week for Minnesota Matters on this MNN station.